What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eibrett, and joined with me is El Capitan, Mr. Andy Full. Oh, throw me a curveball today yeah. by the L. I like it. It's Give me a little, a little, different. little Spanglish. A little Spanglish. I'll, I'll take it. That's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Might have some Spanglish come for me tonight, so we'll see. <laughs> Why, you feel a few beers deep? Is that no, you? no beers deep, just... Just uh, walking on the edge of just pure tired. I <clears throat> just real quick. I went steelhead fishing the last two days, and I hiked thirteen and a half miles in two days, and not sleeping at night. Watching up, stayed up late last night watching TCU just get blasted by Georgia, which was. Oh, I was really hoping TCU would at least make it a close game, and I had to stay up because I wanted to see if Georgia could get to a hundred. But didn't get there. So, <laughs> dude, that was brutal. I was like, because I had no skin in the game whatsoever. Yeah. Besides, like, I don't know. It's either I'm always rooting for an underdog if I don't have, like, my team's not in it or a team I like is in it. Or I'm like, if I have a buddy that's rooting for one, I'll root for the other just for sake of like going at each other. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, dude, I was just hoping for a good game to watch. And by the first quarter, I had the t- TV turned off. I told my fiance, I'm like, they're putting up 60 on TCU tonight. Yeah, they did. Lo and behold, was it like 65 <laughs> to 7? Something 65 ridiculous? to 7, yeah. And I actually felt bad for, was it Dugan, I think, is a QB for yeah. TCU. Literally, he would get to the back of his, like, progr- like the back of his quarterback drop, his three-step drop, and he'd be like, have four Georgia players. And I'm like, yeah, yeah this game is done, like, five minutes in. Georgia, <laughs> I mean, not that the offense didn't manhandle TCU, but – Defensive line definitely did not help them any. <laughs> no, it was whatsoever. That was surreal to watch. Yeah. Absolutely surreal. Yeah. Well, so I mentioned we were talking about beer really fast. Uh, one thing that's on the side for people that are either passing through Buffalo or they're from the area or Western New York, just a small plug. Uh, you can head over to my personal stuff if you want to learn anything further. But uh, I am partnering with Resurgence Brewing for this year. It's a really sick brewery here in Buffalo, food and beer-wise. So if you guys are in the area and want to go fishing with Andy or I, or you want to uh, have some fun at Resurgence Brewery, I have a little passcode deal. So if you guys slide in the DMs and uh, have some fun at Resurgence. But there's more to come on that. Great beer. Right. Yeah, Great beer. Put that out there. And uh, really fast, before we get into today, we have a great show tonight with Zach Burge. We're going to talk about keeping things simple on the water. Uh, a lot of us, like myself especially, overthink everything. Uh, so these shows are great from a uh, keeping the mind open, getting back to basics, and just like fishing simple, don't overcomplicate things type of deal. So that's going to be the synopsis for tonight. We're going to get Zach on here in a second. But some important news is that uh, for folks that have been listening or watching the show for a while, if you're an MP3 listener, Business from the Bass Boat is going to go onto its own MP3 platform now. So in the sake of the Serious Angler Network streamlining our shows, Serious Angler, Business from the Bass Boat, and Lure Lab will all have their own MP3 platform. So it'll help you guys streamline the content that you want to listen to. Uh, it's super easy. The link's actually down below if you guys want to add uh, the Business from the Bass Boat from an MP3 side for Apple, Spotify, etc. Super easy to add, and you can listen to those shows over there. Deacon's got a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. If you're on YouTube, uh, nothing's going to change. Business from the Bass Boat will stay on the Sears Angler YouTube channel. Now, with the Business from the Bass Boat moving over, and I could be completely wrong here, now there might be a delay on some of the older episodes loading, right? Like there might be like a 24-hour delay as it switches over to platforms, or should it be fine? 
for yeah, our it's already so. it is already over uh okay, the new sweet. episodes are going up on it already and then uh what's cool about the new we, we changed a lot of stuff internally over the holiday to get set and ready for a big new year with you guys and uh the new platform that we're on is actually taking all of the old episodes from Business of the Basketball. They'll stay on this platform, but they'll also be copied over as a backlog for Business of the Basketball when pe- people people go over there to listen. That way you can go back on different shows. <clears throat> um, so like the Blazer Boats episode, which our guest is now part of Blazer Boats as well. We had Deegan had um, Chris Williams from Blazer Boats on. Like Shows like that from a few weeks ago are now over on that platform. So I encourage awesome. you guys to go check that out as well as the new Sears Angler Network merch that is now available. So link down below. But uh, Andy, anything else before we uh, get on our guest here? I'm excited to talk wind and grind. So. Wind and grind. <laughs> uh, without further ado, our guest for tonight, Mr. Zach Birch. What's going on, man? How are you? Good Doing evening. Good? Doing good. Appreciate y'all having me. Of course. Thanks yeah, for man. We, uh, we've been talking about trying to get the show done for a while, and uh, – it was actually when uh, we were, we have like a little group chat internally, the three of us, Deacon, he's our other co-host that runs Spits from the Bass Boat. And when he was getting Chris Williams on for Blazer Boats, like we've been talking about trying to get Burge on for so long. I'm like, we just got to just fire off some DMs at this guy. We got to get Zach on. <laughs> so it's it's kind of perfect timing that we had Chris and now you on and congrats on the new partnership with Blazer. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's an exciting time for us right now. Like you said, yeah, you know, if there's stuff that wants to get done, you just got to stay on me about it. I've got so much stuff going on right now. Um, yeah, just basically beat the door down. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it done, though. That's right. Yeah, I mean, appreciate you taking time, man. And uh, it's always a weird, weird line for us because, like, as anglers, we understand, like, when you're busy, especially tournament week, we don't ever bother anybody because that's the last thing you want. Like, when you're focused and you're fishing, that's the last thing you want is even your buddies blowing up your phone. And it's so it's it's the off seasons when we try to like really nail down a lot of guys, especially you guys on MLF and also the bass. Like you guys, the seasons are so crazy that we try to get you all in in, in the winter months. Yeah, yeah, my and that and that's still a pretty busy time for me because I'm right. hunting. We do, but um, yeah, you know, I, I got my phone on me. It seems like twenty four seven. I'm always on it, whether it's on the phone talking or you know bouncing back and forth with texts or emails. So, um, but. I enjoy these. I enjoy sitting down for a minute and, you know, getting talk fishing without really a lot of the business stuff being involved. Heck yeah. I mean, so quick question on the business stuff, not to talk a business, but now that like the whole COVID deal, everything is, is past. Like, is the process of getting the, the overhaul of the boats and the gear stuff to the next season. Is that getting a little bit smoother now that that's pretty much in the rearview mirror? Uh, you know, there's still some delays with things, but overall, um, it's much better. I know I didn't, I didn't really have any problems getting my stuff. Uh, I just hung my motor on the back of my boat yesterday here in the shop. Got props on it, steering all ready to go. I mean, it's she's ready to be putting the water and broke in. So, got all my tackle stuff loaded up. Still waiting to get some uh, some new rods, and we'll be ready to roll. New alpha guy. Yeah, I'm excited. Super Congrats excited. Yeah, we got some alpha boys in the chat. We got an alpha boy right here. <laughs> it's all over the place now. Yeah. Boomer is good people. He's yeah. very good people. He's a good dude. Heck yeah. 
Well, dude, uh, everyone that's new to this show, it's like their first time on. What we like to do is throw it back to the roots and uh, you know ask you how the heck you got started in bass fishing in the first place, and and who is uh, who's at fault for for getting you down this addictive <laughs> train. Uh man, it all. Uh, obviously, I was fished a lot as a kid. I think we all pretty much did or, or started young. Um, you know, didn't really know that this is where I would end up. I got into high school. We didn't have high school fishing at the time. So me and a buddy fished a lot of team stuff. We fished on weekends. We got kicked out of basketball for missing practice and, you know, baseball and all that. We would ditch it to go bass fishing at a pond and stuff. Coach would see us. Boy, we'd be in trouble. We'd run till we about puked the next day. Um, I kind of regret regret doing those but um you know every day i could spend fishing made made me better in some form or fashion um obviously college i started college didn't know much about the college fishing thing it was kind of new at the time been going a little bit um and that's really what got me through college. Uh, started off, I didn't really know much about it. And by the end of college, we won that national championship, Blake and I. And, man, one thing led to another. Started fishing the next level. Ravax at the time, BFL's in there too. Got lucky and won a Ravax championship. And that same year, I qualified to fish the tour through the points. Uh, you know, it's kind of just a spiral effect one thing led to another and here we are today um but looking back at from starting you know like high school fishing college fishing i always just fished the way i thought i needed to fish like i just did what worked for me um and this is kind of the end of that wind and grind deal it's i didn't realize it as much until my rookie, or I'm sorry, my sophomore season fishing at a tour level, and people joke about it all the time. It's your sophomore slump, you know, yada yada. Uh, it, it's for real. Uh, I've struggled with three events because I thought I had a bunch of friends that were leading me in the right direction, and you know, everybody was saying this is what you got to do. This is you know what you're looking for at this place, and Oof. and that that just didn't work. And I realized it really quick, thankfully. And I went back to doing what what works for me, and that's just you know junk fishing at its finest. Um, I, I'd like to say I'm I'm good at junk fishing, but there's key things that you know I feel like I'm I'm better at than others, and yeah, you know, bite generation has been key for me my whole career, and especially with MLF and the years that we've caught numbers, you know those things have helped me a lot. Um, so fishing, what, what you're confident in that has a lot to do with it. And for me, that's shallow water fishing, you know, just running and gunning, making as many casts as I can. Yeah. I definitely think like when, when people think of, of when your name pops up on the standings, they know something power fishing or shallow wise is going on. And I think the only time, cause I, I try to pay close attention to regardless of what trails got a live stream tournament going on. I'm trying to watch in the moment as thing goes on. And I remember it was, I think it was two red crests ago. Was it, was it the first red crest that was you follow? Um, no, that was the, uh, the second. Second? Um, second. 
Uh, well, regardless, second, yeah, second <laughs> yeah, regardless of which one it was, I, I, I just remember all these guys are out either drop shot and brush piles or jerk bait and brush piles, and you're throwing a, you're winding a spinner bait through the brush piles and still catching them just as easy. And I'm sitting there, it's like, I'm like, it's so simple. Like, I, like if a spinner bait, like the single hook versus a treble hooks and a jerk bait catching the same fish, I'm like, this just seems pretty straightforward here. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it worked for me. It. I really thought I had a good chance at that when I was catching the right quality and I might not have been catching as many fish, but when I get bit, you know, it was the right kind. Um, you know, and I, Dustin did extremely well throwing a jerk bait and he was literally on the other side of the Island from me on brush. Um, he just pulled up the one that was hot and he was catching as many of them two and a half, three pounders as you could, which was great. It won for him. Uh, you know, but when I would get bit, it would be like, you know, usually a three and a half, four plus. Um, so, you know, I'm still happy with it. It was a great tournament for me. I did, did what I like to do and, and it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but man, anytime I can catch them on a big spinner bait with one big hook compared to a jerk bait on like 10 and 12 pound tests with treble hooks, uh, I'm not going to do that if I don't have to especially in brush. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, with, with that in mind, um, you know, with the, the format change, do you see, I can't imagine the way you fish, you're going to change much any, but do you see a shakeup in the sandings at all? Uh, not, not really. Um, I'm pretty sure I heard them say, or somebody was talking about them doing a survey, over a lot of the tournaments that we've had the past few years and a lot of the standings would still end up being fairly close um, as far as if you kept your best five versus your numbers. uh, It would have been very similar in the way the tournament ended. Hmm. Now, I I personally voted for the change. I wanted to go to a five-fish deal. I felt like from the viewers, people watching, that's what they want to see we're still not to a point where we're bringing fish across the stage at the end of the day, which I think is still what a lot of people want to see. Um, even if it's one, you know, bring your one fish, have a stage that you can come across, talk, talk to people, you know, show off a fish and then turn it back loose. I think that's what we really need and that's what people want, but this was a good, I think this was a good change overall for the league. I'm excited for it. Um, I'm not going to change up anything I do. I'm still going to go fish and make as many bites as possible. And throughout the day, I'm going to have five decent ones. Uh, hopefully it's good enough to advance and have a shot at one of these. Yeah. Yeah. Not to go too much on a tangent, but we had Fletcher Shryock on Andy. What was it a month ago? Yeah. Right before Christmas. I want to say maybe two weeks before Christmas, somewhere in sometime in December. Yeah. And that, that was one of the things we we're talking about was uh the format. And how that like that um, that Texas Fest style format where you bring like mm-hmm. one or two big ones like a slot limit type of deal, yeah. Because like we were saying, like even if it's a five fish, like you're you're, you're never holding up five fish yeah. on stage anyway. Bring mm-hmm. up one or two big ones. That's all people want to see anyways. It's big yeah. ones. So that, yeah, I maybe maybe that's something that could be like implemented. Is be like okay, you can bring in one fish over twenty inches per tournament or per day, like. And that's a great way to keep fish alive and live release them, but also bring people to 
the weigh-ins at the end of the day. So, cause that's what ultimately people want to see is they want to hear you talk and see big fish, which is cool yeah. in my opinion, but we all have opinions. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what people want to see. Um, you know, as a majority, I feel like that's what they want. Uh, we don't have a stage to come across right now. So when we come back, you know, we, we pull out and then we're talking to fans, you know, signing stuff and having a good time. But, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It just, ha- just needs to be something. Right. The interaction is what, what we're after. Right. And so, so uh, I mean, this is something we could go on a whole tangent about. So we'll, we're going to switch gears really fast to go back to talking about the, the fishing aspect of fishing simple. Because – Every time I'm, I'm reading a, uh, an article or a press release from MLF, you know, after watching the event, it's either, you know, Zach Burge is catching him on a Yozuri crankbait or it's an Omega tackle like jig or spinnerbait. Uh, it seems very like you, you keep it. You don't try to go too crazy in terms of a, a span lineup of baits or anything like that. You, you keep it relatively simple. Um, I wanted to ask, is that something that stems from your roots? Like, like how did that system that you have developed? Uh, man, I just, I've been down the road of buying all the fancy colors and having a boat full of seven boxes of the same profile plastic because I want all the fancy colors and you got to have one with this flake and that flake and that shade. And I, I, I wasted a lot of money over the years doing that, um, where it really didn't help me. And, you know, I may have got a bite here and there off of, uh, you know, tilapia magic or something, you know, random that most of the time I'm not going to throw across the country. Uh, growing up on the Arkansas River, it was simple. It was, you know, black and blue, June bug. Uh, you know, if the water slowed down and cleared up, you obviously would go to something more translucent, a green pumpkin, something like that. Um, moving to Oklahoma, it was pretty much the same thing, except for we have a couple lakes where it's gin clear. And that's kind of where I learned to downsize and get my colors uh, a little more of a variety on them. But hard baits and stuff like that, it, I, the same way. Like I find myself now I have – whittled down almost everything to like just a couple Omega boxes, a couple Yozuri boxes. And I've got the basic colors that work everywhere across the country. And to me, it's just about seeing what the fish want, how they want it versus fancy colors and things like that. Um, there are a few times where that seems to, to matter, but as a whole, the majority of the time, if you can just keep it simple, it's, it's going to work. You just got to figure out where they're at and how they want it. Now, does that mentality translate to how you break down water? It does. Um, I like going, if I'm going somewhere that I haven't ever been before, I tell people this all the time. I want to ride the whole lake. I want to ride from boundary to boundary on a river uh, if I can, I want to see everything visually so I know if the scenario plays out, I know what I'm looking at going into the tournament. Uh, prime example was Cayuga last year. 
that place is huge. It's 400 foot, you know, hundred yards off the bank in places. So the fish aren't going to be out there in the middle of the lake, but you want to see the North end, you know, there's flats with grass and stuff. The South end has it too. Everywhere in the middle has got hundred yards or so off the bank, rock piles, things like that docks. So I wanted to ride. I rode the whole lake. I put my eyes on everything possible. And I really didn't practice too much in practice fishing wise. I just saw a lot. And then first day of the tournament, I think I was the only boat that went south. And I caught primarily smallmouth. I didn't see another boat around all day. Like it was cool. I had a great time. Didn't have anybody pressure me. Had this little offshore current thing dialed in. I caught a pile out of smallmouth. Had a great time. Um, it worked out that day. And the next day, smallmouth didn't fire for me. I caught a couple and it was dead. So I went back to, all right, what did I see? What can I go try? And that was a marina dock. I went to it first. I hit it with active target and there was fish everywhere. Caught a pile of them there. You know, and then the next day of fishing, I ended up going halfway up the lake fishing docks and literally just letting the wind blow me down the bank, looking for rock piles with my active target and catching smallmouth. Uh, and then the final day I mixed it up a little bit of everything. Uh, but if I, you know, if I hadn't have seen everything in practice, hadn't have visually known what I could go do, then I might've made a couple bad choices. Might've decided, well, I'm going to ride to the North end of the lake and burn half a day and not caught enough to advance. But I knew what was in between the North and South end. And, you know, I, I knew every option I had um, ahead of time. Yeah, it was the I so that lake from us is maybe an hour and a half. That's actually yeah. home lake for me where I grew up on. And uh, one of my buddies sent me a picture of Union's like right out in front of Union where everyone was basically. The, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that picture was nuts. Especially when you guys left, it was nuts to see how many people were just. It was like an ocean of just boats on a Cayuga in the north end. It was it was wild. Yeah. I wish we could talk more about Cayuga. That's a that's a fun lake, and you guys are going back there yeah. again this year, which I'm excited to watch. But uh, I'm excited to go back. That was a fun one. Yeah, there's some hidden gems up here. That's, mm-hmm. Did you get the chance to fish any lakes nearby when you're up? Man, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I wanted to, but I was focused on that place. And then when we got done, I was out. Peace. He said, I'm going home. I was going to say, with kids at home, you definitely probably should get home at some point, right? Like, yeah. Touring yeah, the country all the time. <laughs> as, as busy as I was this past year with fishing opens, too, it, uh, yeah, I didn't have much home time. So when that one was done, I knew I was coming home. I cut out of there right after I pulled out that last day and I drove until I think 11 o'clock at night, crashed for a few hours and then made it home the next day. I was, <laughs> I was ready to get home. Gung ho. <laughs> so I, on this topic of just keeping things simple, not overthinking things. One of the things I've been thinking about lately, because when we, when we chatted over social about getting you on the show, this was like one of the things I really want to talk about was your mentality because you've been super consistent with it. And one of the things that I've been thinking about, and I'm curious your take on this, is there are a lot of anglers that are just as they're 
I shouldn't say just as consistent, but do very well. It's very similar style of keeping it very simple in terms of bait selection, you know, in terms of how they approach water, like say Matt Airy, Andy Montgomery, you know, there's a decent list of guys that do very well, pretty similar to how you, you fish. Uh, one thing that's interesting, and I, I, cause I, I tried to sometimes bring this full circle from hunting to fishing. So all those guys are big hunters as well. Do you think there's something to that where it's like hunting, it's hunting. You don't have to overthink it. If you just break it down into simple patterns, whether it's weather or wind direction, if you put in the time, they're going to be there. Do you think there's any correlation between the two? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. It's, you make a lot of choices throughout the day based on instincts and based on like Ike says it all the time in the moment type deals. It's, it's something you see something that clicks and you instinctively, you instinctively make a change based on what you're seeing. Um, for me, it happens all the time, but I don't necessarily pay attention to it myself because I just, I just go. That's, that's just what I naturally would do. Um, and a lot of that is the same way in hunting. Uh, you know, when I'm hunting, whatever, I see things, I hear things, you might sense something changing and, and make an adjustment to be successful for your day or whatever you're doing. Um, it, it goes the same way with bass fishing too, in, in my opinion. Um, so, so having, having the tournament that I have throughout the year, you know, basically the end of January till September, October and transitioning straight into hunting. I, I see both sides of it and, you know, they really just run together to me. Um, but yeah, if you if you look at a lot of the guys that are extremely successful and that are very consistent, uh, they do both a lot, and and it, it definitely helps me. I know that. I think part of it too is um, I think it was Klon that said um, was I think his term was total immersion, where it's like he would live outside basically leading up to an event because it kind of gets you in tune with your surroundings. I think that has a, has a part to do with it too, because when you mentioned how you you're making those split second decisions impulsively, not even thinking about it, I think as an angler, especially a tournament angler, when you're, when you're in that phase where you're not like taking two minutes to think about if you're going to make a decision, that's dangerous. Like yeah. if you're making those without thinking, like that's scary. That's when like, that's where that consistency I think comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two minutes is two minutes is enough to get your, teeth kicked in uh in an mlf event the way when we were catching numbers because like i'd get somewhere and i'd be scared to run somewhere because i'm like if i move i'm fixing to fall behind so you want to make you want to almost see your full days movements and timing and things like that you want to visualize it in your head and, and hope it all comes together now obviously that doesn't work all the time and you know when you take off and run somewhere you just I don't even want to hear a score tracker when I get there because I'm, I know I fail some, it's just a matter of how much. Right. Andy, this is actually interesting because this correlates exactly how you and I are as friends and as anglers, because Andy doesn't hunt. I'm a big hunter. And I'm like the, like I tell Andy all the time, like if it's good, they're only going to eat 
green pumpkin and purple and gold flake and I'm throwing green pumpkin, they won't eat it. Then I don't, I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm content with losing at that point where Andy like owns like 35 colors. Of hey, I've gotten a lot better. All right. Like <laughs> it, 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 it's basically come down to like a shade of green pumpkin with like Amber on it for my Senko fishing. Okay. And everything else is black, black and blue or green pumpkin when it comes to jigs or soft baits, like, Green pumpkin, purple gold flake. Yeah, that's a staple, but it might be the only color green pumpkin bait I own. Like, I don't buy, like, green pumpkin green, green pumpkin blue, green pumpkin red. Like, like I don't go and buy all that stuff. I learned my lesson a long time ago. <laughs> I see we have a special guest. <laughs> oh, yeah. They happen. <laughs> basketball. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, so, so with, with, with this mentality – I talk about just straightforward. When you go into into practice and say it's a new fishery, kind of how what is your process there for like on that new fishery, breaking down water, trying to figure out some clues? Um, first and foremost is I want to see everything. Like I mentioned earlier, I want to see it all, know what know what I'm looking at, um, and then from there, if it's not a big place, I'll fish around a little bit see what kind of get a vibe for what's going on and then go from there. Um, it sounds simple, but it's, you know, it, it's really harder than it sounds, but, uh, that's, that's kind of my mindset. And, uh, we go back to a lot of places that I've been before. And obviously when I go there, I'm like, all right, I'm going to bounce around see some of the stuff that I've done in the past, do some of those same things. Um, but for the most part, it's always, I want to get there. I want to ride around, see things, look at water clarity, temperature, uh, look at what I'm facing, and then just see if I can get a bite here and there and kind of get a vibe for what's going on. Yeah, it does seem pretty pretty straightforward. Like it's just – it kind of almost seems like strategically throwing a dart and seeing if anything kind of like – you know, I, I think a great way to describe it is like you're, you're pheasant hunting and you're just running bushes until you see something – you know, flock out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for like, it's so crazy because it sounds so easy. Uh, when you, when you think about it like this, it sounds like it's cake, but, um, you go sometimes several hours without getting a bite and you're like, all right, obviously I'm doing the wrong thing or I'm in the wrong place. Um, and when you go a couple hours, you've gone way too long already without getting a bite. So you can pretty much eliminate what you're doing for the tournament day. Uh, and that, that's where practice is. The two days of practice we get is good because you see those things and you're like, I'm not going to mess with this during the tournament. And you may pull up on stretch and get like five bites. And then, and then you leave, you know, you bounce, you know, 100 yards further down the bank or run a mile or something and may not get any bites again. You're like, there's a reason those fish were in that zone. And I kind of go through a thought process of why they were there, what was different you know, what's holding those fish there. And then I look for more places like that. So when you kind of add in the seeing everything, visualizing it all with a little bit of fish in and getting an idea what, what the fish are doing, kind of what they're hanging out around, then, then you, then you can put a milk run together in your head, um, come tournament day, you know, you're not, you're not piecing things together, uh, kind of on the fly. Right. Well, with that train of thought, um, there's definitely times where um, I'm kind of curious 
your mental uh, your mental state when it comes to this. Like when we're when you're keeping it simple, like there's times where I'm trying not to overcomplicate presentation or technique, but I'll I'll try a couple things. They're not working. Try it in a different different area, whether it's you know switching from shallow rock to trying offshore uh, timber, like trying to switch it up a little bit, and nothing's working. What do you do, or what adjustments would you typically make to get the train back on the tracks? A lot of times, I'll just completely leave the area. Um, I've had it happen a couple times. And, and there's days too where it's just not your day. Like you're just not going to catch them, no matter how well you're dialed in and think you're everything is perfect. It's just not going to happen for you. Uh, I had a day at in Florida at Okeechobee. I was fishing in this bay. Lambert was uh, t- ten yards from me, making the same drifts, and we were throwing the same stuff and. He was catching them almost every drift, and I was not getting a bite. Like I literally, that was the one day, the one day that I can remember in my entire fishing career so far that I have not caught a bass in a whole day of fishing. Uh, and I watched him catch fish after fish right next to me, literally the same stuff. Just It just didn't happen for me. Um, Looking back, I should have left when it just wasn't happening. I should have just went and done something different. There was a lot of factors that day that went into the fish, and it was extremely tough anyways. Uh, but there's another scenario, and it worked out really good then. It was day two. I'd caught them really good at Grand Lake. It was a coast event there. Been catching them on a little crankbait, shallow water. I was leading after the second day. Going into day three, first thing in the morning, I jumped off a great big one. Second fish, jumped off another great big one. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to blow it. I caught a four-pounder, and I jumped off another good one. I told myself when I jumped off that third one, I'm going to lose the tournament if I don't completely leave and just go do something different to reset. And I literally ran across the lake to another cove. I put down my crankbait, picked up a wacky worm, started skipping docks and I caught like 17 or 18 pounds in about an hour. And that was the decision that I made that won that tournament was that because I very easily could have stayed in a rotation in that same area and kept getting bit. But, you know, I might've lost another fish or two and I may have only came in with three fish or four fish. And I think I only won by like a pound or something. So Making that decision after losing a few, um, and it wasn't the hooks. It wasn't any of that. I mean, I changed hooks. Everything was fresh. Same stuff I'd been, you know, getting those same fish in the boat with earlier on in the tournament. But it just wasn't, it was not going to happen that day for me. So I just went and bounced across the cove to the other side, picked up a wacky worm and caught 17 or 18 pounds, and I was able to win. Um yeah it's crazy crazy what a little little adjustment can make in a good or negative way saving the train at that point (laughs) that was it yeah i mean even in say because i mean at that point when you dump that i mean probably when you dump the second one the wheels are starting to spin out of control a little bit in the noggin even if you don't catch anything when you go over across those docks it might be give you enough time to clear your head and then 
who knows fish, how fishing happens. You could probably go back and then you land all of them perfectly because you're in a clear headspace again. Like it's fishing yeah. so weird that way. Yeah, it, it was, it was, I, I'm almost 99% sure. I told, I was young at the time, but the, the guy that was with me was younger than me and he was leading the co-angler side. And I told him, I was like, look, dude, I said, if I, if we don't leave right now, neither one of us are going to win on either side of this. And that first fish that I got to bite across on that wacky worm. I mean, it was, if I could do it again, it would never happen the way it did. I skipped that worm. Grand's got all kind of cables and stuff. And when you skip it across and you jump one cable, that's already bad enough. But this went like over a cable, under a cable and over a cable. And somehow when it stopped, it got bit. And I got that fish fish, like jumped over one, got under the other and I was close enough to the other one to like get it over with the net. It was like whole, you know, it's like you flip flopped events because I just went from losing three that were super easy. Like should have just came right to the boat to, I just skipped a wacky worm with eight pound test over cables and stuff that if it touched it, it would have broke. Uh, and I got that fish in and right then it was like, you know, a hundred percent, attitude change momentum swing for me i knew you know basically the train was still on the tracks and, and we had a shot then um, changed my whole demeanor of the day at that point you had to have been like what the heck like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah. don't you yeah, love that <laughs> like in the the roughest <laughs> crap where you can land every fish but out in the middle of the open like you, you can't keep one pinned where you're you have these cables and the fish basically is like Hold on, let me get over this for you. Now reel me in. Like, <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, it's so weird, man. It's just like oh. it's it's the emphasis on the if it's your time, it's your time. Because like, yeah, I've I feel good now. To I'm at a point where like mentally, when things are starting to like when they're out of my control and starting to go bad. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, here we are. It's just not my time. It's just gonna be one of those days. <laughs> like it's just, like, it's not even getting negative anymore. It's just like it's a lot harder when you're in a kayak too, and you're kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah, that does suck too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that does add an emphasis to the suck uh, for sure. But uh, so one thing, um, actually, we have some viewer questions coming in here. We'll some probably hit ones. with them, hit you with them as uh, as they come through. Uh, we have one from Mister Higgs. Uh, he's asking any new baits you're looking forward to using this upcoming season. Now that we're on the uh, the train of thought of baits, yeah, um, man, uh, not really a lot of new stuff coming out for you know what I've been using a lot of. Uh, more than anything for me this year, the new stuff is going to be new rods, um, the Alf Angler rods. That's going to be the the newest thing for me, and I'm excited to actually get to use them and you know talk about them and show them off um that's probably the most exciting thing that i got going coming into this year um as far as being used during the event obviously yozuri omega we've we've got a ton of great products uh but you know they're they're gonna get used a lot uh, we're gonna catch a lot of fish on them and you know, there may or may not be a couple of things we can't talk about, but uh, uh, okay. we'll see. 
Heck yeah, we we've had Taylor on this show a few couple a few times. We he's been on this from the Bass Boat, obviously taking over everything at uh, Omega. Um, one thing I, I've been chatting with Taylor about that I've been super curious. He sent us some jigs and uh, the the football jig and how that hook. It's like a it's something I haven't seen on any other football jig. It's and like the O'Shaughnessy of, hook, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, is that something you can talk to? Yeah, it's. Man, it's it's a good hook. It's not really, it's not really uh, my favorite hook by preference. Uh, I, I personally prefer like a short shank, heavy duty hook, just a straight regular hook. Um, to me, it just kind of it makes it a little bit more difficult lining things up. Uh, but it, it's still like like a lot of things are with fishing. It's kind of personal preference. The hook is not a bad hook. Uh, it's just not one that I am going to go choose right off the rip. You know what I mean? Like if I've got an option, I'm going to choose the other hook um, in regards to that. But, it, you know, it's like anything efficient. It's not wrong. Yeah. Got one right here. Right yeah. There. It's a great hook. It's just, uh, you know, I prefer your traditional I don't know if you've got another one there in your hand or close by that you could show. Yeah, I think the majority of people like your typical round bend is what you're trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, and I like I like a shorter. Uh, it well, it depends on what what jig exactly I'm throwing, but ninety nine percent of the time I like a short, heavy hook on my jigs. Makes sense. Um, we have another one here. From Bassar Mike asking, how deep will you run a spinnerbait into a brush pot? I think I believe this question is referring to when we were talking about red crest earlier in our conversation. Yeah, so um, I think what you're asking is maybe how deep of brush will I throw it in? Because um, basically, and I'll explain both both that you might you might be in reference to how deep in the brush, but what I did was I would throw it obviously past the brush pile, line up, get it at 40 foot or so, 40 to 60 foot in front of me and let it sink. I would get it to sink to where it's well past the brush or at least coming at the brush and I would get it to where it would get down below it and then crawl over it. And 99% of those bites would be as soon as it would clear whatever branch or whatnot it was coming over is when they would, you know, be triggered to eat it. Um, the majority of them ate it like that. So, uh, as long as you can crash it into something, that's what I did or tried to do. Now I would throw it in stuff there from shoot. I had some brush piles in five foot and I had brush piles in 18 to 25 foot. And I caught fish from one to the other in that particular event. Um, so, and it, it it does take a spinnerbait a little bit of time to get down to those deeper ones. You got to cast it further to get it down to where you can keep it down and bring it over that brush where it's close enough to it, or you can hit it. Um, because obviously as soon as you turn the handle, those blades turn and it wants to start rising. Right. Um, that's that's a that's about all I got on that one. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, those are actually uh, talking about the Omega spinner baits. Something I'm really intrigued to try. I just like the big profile that the head's got on. Yeah, uh, and and that was I threw a lot of half ounce. I threw some five eighths. It was one ounce heavy. I'd made some blade modifications and stuff. I'd made some blade modifications and stuff to keep it down um, on those deeper ones and stuff. I also threw, uh, I, I pulled some skirts off of them, tried big swim baits on the back. I did a lot of tinkering at that event that didn't, uh, you know, that hasn't come out. People didn't actually see too. Caught a lot of fish on some things, but primarily it was just a bright white, heavy spinner bait. Um, and it rotated most of the time. It was two nickel, nickel blades. Um, sometimes just one. So you, one of the things I wanted to, uh, you made me think about it when you said that one of the things people didn't see that you were tinkering with is, uh, the, the top 10 baits that MLF and bass put out just like, cause I'm just curious from your standpoint, being on the trails, like percentage wise, how much of that is actually true that people are throwing? I feel like for the most part, a lot of it's true. Um, there's several times I know of there's several times that I know people, what they say is not what they're actually using, um, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's your typical fisherman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My favorite is when it's on live and it's just one thing they throw all day <laughs> and then they hold up like what? Something totally different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, okay. I, I, try, I try to be fairly honest with it to a point. Um, obviously if I've been on live, I'm going to show what I've been using because that's just common sense. I mean, that's kind of ignorant to get up there and show a, a football jig when you've been throwing a crankbait all day or something, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Oh, you know that. Uh, you Those are the best. I think the best one I've ever seen, I can't recall who it was, but like straight, I think it was a small amount. I think it was St. Lawrence river or something like that. But like the dude straight up was holding the bait and was going like this, <laughs> like just wouldn't show it. I was like, "What's the point of you taking a picture? Like yeah. find something that's close to it or something." Like uh, it, it, I saw it and I was like, "Did they actually post this?" Like even as like the editor, I was like, "Why would you?" I don't know. It's something curious. But I, I wanted to ask because I thought one, it's funny, and two, I thought it was a, a great segue into uh, saying that I uh, there's very few people in this industry that aren't afraid to speak their opinion. And I definitely think you're in that conversation of people that are not doing it in a negative way, but are doing, and I think it's for the better from a fishing industry standpoint of saying what you, what's on your brain and saying it in a correct and very uh, calm manner, very collected. So I just wanted to say uh, from an angler to angler that I appreciate that. Yeah. I've always felt like that's everything I've ever done in life. I've, I've kind of been that way. Um, Obviously, there's a right and wrong way to approach it. Mm -hmm. There's times where you've got to weigh some consequences of things that, you know, events might unfold in a different way than you're intending them to. Um, and you've got to know that ahead of time. You've got to see that as an option. That way you're aware, you know, it's like, hey, if I say this or do this, this might happen. Well, yeah, I've already thought about that. I've thought that through. 
if I say something now, I've thought about every aspect of, you know, <laughs> what could unfold moving forward. So uh, I do it now because I feel like it's the right thing to do. And when I say something, uh, you can believe I have a reason to say it. And it's, it's for the better uh, when I do. You know, I, I don't want to be – I don't want to be um, – thought of as like arrogant or anything like that because it's not how I am. I'm generally more quiet uh, than a lot of people. So I think that comes off as arrogant sometimes, but it's not, it's not who I am. I'm, I'm just genuinely a pretty quiet person. Uh, I keep to myself a lot, but like, you know, having conversations with y'all and anybody else, I'd love to talk about fishing, hunting, anything in the outdoors. And I'm definitely not afraid to, uh, you know, to let it rip every now and then. But it's it's uh, it's for a good cause. Yeah, like right, Ryan Hartman here said, "You're unapologetically yourself, yeah. <laughs> as you should be, as everybody should be." Quite honestly, That's because right. the the people that have you like playing guessing games in your head of like what they actually mean or their intentions, I, I can't stand it. I, I I don't I don't surround my people with <laughs> surround my friends like. With people that uh, I have to like think outside the box of what's their what they're thinking, or if they tell me something yeah, that I yeah. doubt what they're they're actually saying, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. And we shouldn't be friends then. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't. Kidding. You don't do that. You overthink everything. Yeah. <laughs> Human brains. That's right. Uh, really fast, Daniel Robinson uh, did not have to uh, send in a $5 donation, but yeah, is much, much appreciated. appreciated. Um, and he has a question for you, Zach, and that is he would love to hear your take on the rules and regulations um, on, let's see, format, A-rig, live scope, watercraft. Oh, interesting. Okay. So he's bringing up the forward-facing sonar in terms of that. What changes, if any, you'd like to see? Um. I don't really care to see any changes. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter if you take it away. I'm still going to fish the way I fished thus far in my career. Um, everybody has the opportunity to use it. 99% of us that are fishing at this level can get it or get it at a heavily discounted price. So that makes it, it's not an excuse for you not to have it. Um, so, theoretically if you're if you're getting beat and you think you're getting beat by it exclusively you're already in a in a wrong mindset because one you still have to figure out you have to learn how to use it number two you still have to make that fish bite um and there's an endless amount of scenarios and 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 you know it's just fishing um there's nothing ever goes right. Nothing's ever perfect. You can't just say, Hey, bite my hook and they're going to do it. <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen people talk about it, this exact question over and over and over again. Um, for me, it's just another tool. It's how fishing's kind of evolving. I'm not against it. I enjoy fishing and using the technology at the same time. Some days I absolutely hate it because I can't get them to bite. Um, Lake Hartwell, the last open was a prime example that I fished. I could see fish, an unbelievable amount of fish in brush piles and stuff. And 75% of the time I couldn't get them to bite. 
it's just mind boggling. And it it ruined that tournament for me. If I had if I hadn't seen that many fish and I just went down the bank throwing a buzz bait or frog or whatever, I could have caught more fish than I weighed in that tournament. I would have had a much better outcome as as you know, as a whole. There's been times where I've caught three or four, five fish a day in addition to what I would have caught just by having it and just being aware of the technology and how to use it as I'm going down the bank and look for offshore stuff where, Hey, there's a stump over there and by God, there's a four pounder sitting next to it. And you flip over there and you catch one. Um, being up to speed with it is a, is a huge thing. If you're against it, you're going to get your teeth kicked in. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. So if, if you have, if you have the ability to have it, it is definitely worth having and just spend some time on the water and learn it because you're going to need to use it. If you're gonna, if you want to compete and you want a, a true shot at winning, um, like I said, if they take it, if they made a rule and we couldn't use it like an Alabama rig, then your same guys that catch them are still going to catch them. It's not going to change any of that. It's just another tool that we get to put in our arsenal mm -hmm. to capitalize on. Right. We When we had Spencer Shuffield on uh, a few weeks back, I think his – the greatest advice from a forward-facing sonar standpoint is don't let it change how you fish, but use it as an additional tool for how you already fish. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so his question here, uh, I realized people – corrected me really fast in the comments that I misinterpreted what he was trying to say. I think he was saying there's a, a bunch of different topics out here, but of if anything on trails, if you anything comes to mind, uh, he goes, are there any changes you would like to see, whether it's format, uh, A-Rig banned or not banned, live scope, et cetera. Is there anything on top of your mind that you'd like to see changed in the future? Uh, you feel free to decline that if, if, if you got nothing either. <laughs> yeah, it's there's not really much. The going to the five fish thing this year was really um, kind of a thing we all, as a group, the majority of us wanted. That was really the only change that I could say. I don't really care much. I'll throw an Alabama rig for fun at home, but I prefer not to throw it all day just to keep my back and shoulders from hurting. So they can keep that thing banging. I don't really care. But other than that, I've. I'm extremely happy with the way the rules are now. And um, hopefully one day we'll get to tow the fish across the stage and make it that much better. Heck yeah. Andy, do you have anything for Zach before we hit him with our last questions of the night? Um, I did have one like bait question earlier. Like, so, you know, you're winding and grinding down the bank. Is there a specific color crankbait in the Ozuri line that you would use on like every body of water that's your confident bait or is it all based off of forage in that lake when you show up uh <clears throat> a lot will be based off the forage um the majority of the time i'll start out just with the basic you know most confident colors obviously a couple of variations of shad patterns that's normally what i'll start with um depending on the time of the year depending on a lake or river you know i may have um you know a gizzard shad on and then a crawfish pattern too 
or if we're, you know, Lake Washita in the summer may have a, you know, brim color on something mixed in there. Um, I'd say probably 75, 80% of the time I start with a couple variations of a shad pattern and roll with that just because bass eat shad almost everywhere we go and there's shad almost everywhere, some kind of similar forage. Um, that's where I normally start with and then I make adjustments off of that. Thank you for that. Um, I I agree completely. I like when I throw crankbait. I pretty much only throw shad patterns for whatever reason. I just feel like if they're going to eat a crankbait, they're going to eat something that's shad based. Personally, yeah. unless it's spring, then I throw crawfish colors. But pretty much, at least for me. So thanks. Yeah. Sounds like when you have a uh, shallow cranking episode for the lure lab, you need to give old Burge a call. Might just have to do that. <laughs> the the lure lab that we have is a once a week deal that Andy runs, just like super bait specific. So that would be a, a cool. It's like 15, 20 minutes a week. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool deal. But uh, man, I, I just want to say thank you a bunch for taking the time out tonight. We have uh, one last question for you that we end every show with when we have uh, people that are new, new guest wise, uh, and that is if you could sit down and have a steak and a beer with three individuals that could be alive thousand years ago or alive now. doesn't matter. They don't have to be fishing industry either. It could be anybody you choose. Uh, if you sit down, have a beer, steak, three individuals, who would you invite? Oh, man. Should have asked me that question earlier so I could think about it. Yeah, see, that's kind of like our thing is we don't yeah. ever tell the people. Point. That it's like spur of the moment. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's loaded. Good. Loaded that question. Loaded. Um, man. I'm not real sure. Um, Any like childhood heroes or anything like that like when you're playing ball? Man, a lot of the, so if you'd asked me this question about 10 years ago, I would have been able to drop a few names that we fish with now, obviously. And I've probably ate a steak and drank some beers with <laughs> yeah. several of them now. Um, so that, that eliminated a bunch of, uh, options there. Uh, you know, I kind of beat around that a little bit growing up. Obviously it was all these guys fishing, uh, the bass events and whatever they were called over the past, you know, 10, 15 years. FLW two growing up. I remember watching several guys that were beating the brakes off everybody. And I, I thought they were so cool. And that's, that's what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Um, and now that I'm fortunate enough to get to fish with a lot of them, um, you know, it, I look back and I'm just extremely thankful to be able to have this opportunity and do this, uh, with a lot of those guys. Um, so I try to think when, when there's a question like that, I try to think outside the box, like, other uh individuals in different industries and stuff that are successful and that have made it to almost the top of their profession because um, it would be cool to sit down with guys that are in those positions and kind of see what they went through and see what it took to get to that point for them uh, you know whether that be 
football or basketball or motocross, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, nobody really pops off, but uh, that's that's kind of my take on that question. I like it though. I, I like the desire to see the different from a different background standpoint because. I mean, I think you take the, the four major sport leagues right now, professional sport leagues, and you take uh, a control group of like, say, 20 people from each, and each four leagues are going to have completely entirely different routes into how they got to the level they're at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's, and, and fishing is an interesting one where I feel like, uh, I think like a basketball is an interesting, it's a, when you try to compare different professional sports and your avenues and what's needed in order to get there, we're like fishing. You need to have truck boat. You need to have money to enter this event where it's like basketball. You just need somewhat decent pair of shoes, a ball on a team and just be able to get to the event. That's <laughs> you can at least start getting some sparks going where it's yeah. fishing is a, a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Fishing takes a whole lot. It takes a lot of funding to get there. And when you compare it to the income of, other professional athletes, you're like at the bottom of the barrel. So, honestly, it's kind of stupid to be a professional fisherman. High risk, low reward <laughs> is what you're saying. Exactly. You're just living, though. That's, yep. awesome. That's what living. I love to do, so I'm going to keep doing it. All right. So, okay. So, I'm going to ask you one last question just to, to cap off the night because I love to ask this to my, my hunting folk. Is uh, If you had to drop one. Hunting or fishing for the rest of your life, which one would you drop? Fishing. Fishing. Everyone that's been like super open, like hunting wise on this show has always said they'll drop fishing first. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, man, if, if I could figure out how to make a living and pay my bills and do all that I can do for my family right now and hunting, uh, man, I, I enjoy, I enjoy hunting. Not so much just pulling the trigger or, you know, letting an arrow fly or something like that. It's more, it's, it's kind of like fishing though. To me, it's, it's watching how birds react. It's watching how an animal reacts to, you know, a call or sound you make and, and getting it close enough, uh, you know, to be able to bring it home and put it on the table. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like fishing, you know, in that aspect, but I enjoy s- seeing that on the hunting side more than I do fishing. I just hadn't figured out how to hadn't figured out how to have it make me a bunch of money yet. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Here's what we'll do. We'll we'll make a we'll call it the PDL, the professional duck league. And it'll have every have teams they weigh in their 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 ducks and then we can really have jokes about stuff and lead weights in the ducks. <laughs> That's funny. There you oh, go. Jeez. Well, dude, seriously, appreciate Thank you taking you. time out tonight. It's been uh, it's been good to learn from you, and I know all the uh, listeners and viewers feel the same way. And uh, hopefully, get you back on here uh, sometime this year. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Have okay, a good man. night. Safe travels. Thanks. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Thanks. See you, Zach. I I always like am caught in this weird place. So, like tonight's topic, talking like you know, simple or or you know, overthinking things. I find myself like in this weird middle ground. I don't know if that's just be from like a where I'm at on the learning curve or something like that. But there's times where I'm like, yeah, it's so simple. Like why why am I overthinking these things? And then I go get caught somewhere else where I'm starting to like I can't find them and I start to overthink things. 
Uh, it's it's a weird weird deal. What what are your thoughts on it? It happens to all of us. It's um, I think as fishermen, we really need to learn to trust our gut and to act on our gut when it first tells us, like that's wrong. Like I, and I'm not like saying I'm great at this or bad at this because there's times that I'll sit in an area and I'm like. I caught him here in practice. I know I'm going to get him to eat, and I burn myself because now I'm running around trying to scrape him together. But then other times at a tournament or just fishing, I'll pull up in an area and be like, yeah, this ain't it, and I'll leave instantly. So it's like we all have that issue of being like, okay, should I bail? Should I stay? What should I do? Do I fish my confidence? Do I try something new? It's It's a revolving door, and I don't think there's ever truly like a finite answer to that question because it's all mm-hmm. situational based. I love Zach's approach though, especially like from a bait standpoint of like, if you're not catching them on one or two, you might have a third you'll try if you're the area, yeah. you know, there's fish there, but beyond that, you're just going to leave areas. That's exactly how I am. Like I know if people, uh, and they, they might find success doing it. Like they'll try like 12 to 15 different things. They might finally get bit. Sometimes they won't like, I I don't have the mental capacity or patience to do Me that. either. That's also, I'll say one thing that sucks about the kayak is when you get caught in something like that in an area like that, and you know where something else might be different and going on, but it's five miles away. That part sucks. I will say that is one of the very few things I hate about kayak fishing. Yeah. But it adds to the challenge, man. It really adds to the, the weight you have, especially from a tournament standpoint, from the kayak of decision-making, whereas the boat side, I mean, you're just turning the motor on and, you know, depending what boat you got, you're hoping it turns on. As long as it turns on, you're going to get there. <laughs> Brother, you have a motor now. You just can't use it in certain events. Okay, sorry. My so. timetable <laughs> from getting there at 45 minutes is now 35. Excuse me. <laughs> just toss on. Well, that one day when I saw you on Lake Erie, and I was like, man, he is really paddling fast. And I was like, oh, wait, he's got a motor now. <laughs> I'm telling you, that Hobie was thrown awake. Like you're dude, moving. the funny part is with uh, the Torquedo is like it doesn't have much of a profile when it's in the water. Like there's not much on top. So like I'll just be sitting there with my legs off the side, like chilling. <laughs> and there's there's people that are like, how the heck is he moving? <laughs> like, they're just like, question uh, everything. <laughs> the looks on people's faces when there was a kayak with a motor out in the middle of Lake Erie was hilarious. If you want to pull like a funny prank on somebody, put your feet up when there's just a slight breeze and like put a little mast on your boat with like a sail and kind of move it around. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you turn, just kind of like pull the levee and move the mast and the sail to make yep. it seem like you're getting pushed by the wind. That would be yep. hilarious. That would be good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's a few things you could do with that. That would be good. Oh, that's funny. But Andy, tonight was, tonight was a good, a really good show. Yeah. There's a lot of good nuggets in here because I think there's a lot of people that are stuck in a stage, especially from a learning curve. Like, There's definitely like a range there on, on the incline. When you get like when you start and you're kind of in, when you start, you're kind of in that phase of like keeping things simple, right? Yeah. Where you don't want to conform to anything extent because you don't think you're there yet. But there's definitely a part where you're starting to make those jumps where you get opened up into this space of like the different things you can do modification wise or different bait, different brands, JDM, like stuff like that, where it like it starts, it can get really like overwhelming. Uh, where like- I think something like this is a great reminder of keep it simple. So it's kind of funny that you bring JDM stuff into this because like JDM baits will have just 
insane color patterns to them. And the reason why that is, and I don't know if people know this or not, but the reason why JDM baits have these crazy colors is because over in Japan, the fishing pressure is so high for bass on a lot of these little waterways they fish. They will literally do anything to try and catch a bass differently. And if one of them works over there, then they go into mass production because obviously they think it's going to work everywhere in the world. So a lot of those JDM color baits actually just don't translate well to anywhere else in the world. And they're catching a couple fish a year on it just because it's different than what everyone else is throwing over Mm -hmm. there as to where in the United States we do. It seems like we have a ton of fishing pressure, but in reality, fishing pressure to, to the amount of fish per waterway is not much. So it's kind of crazy to think about it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like forward-facing sonar will really open your eyes once you get it to how many bass there truly are in our lakes. Even on lakes that we didn't think there was that many bass, and there's still a ton of bass. Yeah. So well, the bad part about those crankbaits too is they're twenty dollars more than what you're gonna spend on something else. Twenty, like, like you like you made me a believer in, in OSP, but yeah. like but you basic don't have colors that much money. Yeah. There's very it's very specific circumstances where like one crankbait will really, really outperform yeah. another. There's definitely great crankbaits out there. Like yeah. there's definitely your certain brands that you could stick to, like you know, like Yozuri, that's one like I, I'm trying to remember who commented on it in here. Like obviously Zach uh, running Yozuri. Yeah, I think it was like a T seven comment is what it was. Hold on, let me go back here and look. Well, regardless, it, it it doesn't matter too much, but it's more just like to the point of you don't really have to spend that much money. It's very specific circumstances where like more of your high end stuff might actually be worth that high end price to outperform. Like I still remember that when I was throwing rock crawl and you're throwing OSP. But granted, think about it completely different body profiles oh 100 like my favorite crankbait still to this day is probably a 5xd like i've caught more fish on a 5xd cranking than any other crankbait because you can do so many different things with it but i mean you don't have to go out and buy every single 5xd color there is you need a shad a bluegill and a craw and find the three that you like the best and start there and then you can differ a little bit like just in striking alone, I think they make like 11 different craw patterns. You don't need all 11. You need a red craw, one with a brown top and an orange belly, and then maybe like green. And then you have your entire craw basis set. Yeah. For shad, chartreuse, sexy shad, sexy shad, anything along those lines, you're going to catch fish in chartreuse, blueback, and a crankbait. In my opinion, are the only three really true colors of crankbait you need and sometimes yeah i mean you definitely don't have to get that freaky with it in order to catch fish i mean a base i mean a base crawl pattern and some sharpies will do you just fine (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah well folks appreciate everybody joining in tonight really good live stream thanks again to zach for joining us yeah um like we mentioned in the introduction there's going to be moving forward on episodes or if you're listening at an earlier day, some of our previous episodes have them. Um, some ads on the beginning of it. It's not like an ad ad, but like 30 seconds, uh, just noting for future episodes of talking about how Visit from the Bass Boat 
is going to be moving to its own MP3. Uh, we'll, we'll post some snippets on future Business from the Basketball episodes in the coming weeks, but it's going to end up taking you guys to the new Business from the Basketball platform. Um, if you're if you're listening to this, you can go to the link down below if you want to listen to Business from the Basketball. There's a link to Apple or Spotify. Um, but if not, if it's on a different platform, uh, simply you can just search business from the bass boat and you'll be able to find the new platform that it's on again we're just trying to stream streamline everything here on the serious angler network and you know we have three shows right now uh potentially a new one coming in six months potentially some new team who knows uh that's as much as the cat i'll let out of the bag for now but uh regardless uh i think it's for the better and uh it's going to be pretty pretty good moving here forward for 2023 and uh last thing i'll say is if you want any serious angler just from the Bass Boat, Lure Lab Apparel. It's all on our website. Website's linked below or on our socials if you guys want to copy us some merch. Andy, anything else? Anything I missed? No, I really look forward. Um, oh, I was going to say this. I mean, we're still two months away, but like I know for a fact that we will be at Redcrest and the Classic. So we want to reiterate come up and say hi to us if you see us. We loved. Uh, meet and greet with the people who tune in and listen to all of our shows and watch them. And we greatly appreciate all of you. So we look forward to meeting those who we've seen before and also meeting new people. So it's going to be cool. Yeah. Let's grab a beer. Yeah. <laughs> grab a beer, uh, love snacks and food. Like I'll never say no. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to mooch free stuff right now? Andy? No, 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 no. Oh. I'm, no. When you got on food and beer, like I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well regardless folks <laughs> and he definitely did pound some beers before this show that's what no, he's, got the, he's got the Honestly, munchies now <laughs> no man i'm just hungry a lot of walking yeah. in two days so you do have the munchies is what you say <laughs> munchies but no beer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> folks appreciate you all and uh we'll see you guys on the next one <laughs>